we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Todd Nesloni with a focus on student leadership. Todd Nesloni is the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership for the Texas Elementary Principals and Supervisors Association. He has also served as an award-winning principal of a pre-K through fifth grade campus of over 775 students in a rural town in Texas. He's been recognized by the White House, John Maxwell, which we, we love that, the Center for Digital Education, National School Board Association, and BAMIs. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm sure Todd will uh, correct us here in a minute. And more for his work in education and with children. Todd has written four books, including Kids Deserve It, Stories from Web, Sparks in the Dark, and his brand new book, When Kids Lead, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. He also recently released his first children's book called Spruce and Lucy. He hosts a podcast called Tell Your Story and is very active on social media under the moniker Tech Ninja Todd. He is passionate about doing whatever it takes for our students and helping others to tell their story. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Focus Ed. You can also like, follow, and share. Get the content on the schoolhouse302.com. Go to the site, click on follow. All right, here we are with our guest, Todd Nesloni. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Todd. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here. So thank you all for asking. Yeah, we're excited as well. And so is our live audience. And so we're going to jump right in. You wrote a book called When Kids Lead. Let's start with the book and get into some of your experiences after that. So tell us why you wrote the book, what it's about, what it means to what you call inspire, empower, and grow young leaders whatever you wanted educators to get from your message. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, I wrote it with my buddy, Adam DeVico, and we do a conference series called Get Your Lead On. And as principals ourselves, we know that there's so much out there that helps adults grow their leadership skills. I mean, you mentioned John Maxwell earlier, who's one of my heroes. Like I can think of him. He's got probably like 50 books over leadership alone. Like well, as adults, when we're looking to grow ourselves as leaders, there's so many resources out there. And as Adam and I were pouring into other adults, we realized 
where is the aspect of kids in here? Because regardless of their age, we could be pouring into kids a lot of leadership skills and qualities as well and preparing them for whatever the world is going to look like when they enter it. And so at our own respective schools, we were doing a lot of different activities and responsibility requirements and things like that, that we were like, hey, let's write a book that anybody, whether you, that's why it's an adult's guide to inspiring, empowering, and growing young leaders, because a coach could use these skills, a parent could use them, a teacher, or even a principal could think about some of these and implementing them school-wide. And we wanted to write a book that shared some of the things we've done, but also had some step-by-step -step directions, because we all know there's some adults who are like, okay, I get the big picture, but can you start with step one? Like, where do I even begin? So we tried to write a book that had a little bit of all of that. Thank you, Todd. I love the fact that you guys have delved into the what and why, but have also started to go with the how you know, so often or too often, or rather, we're kind of left with questions or remaining questions on how can we do this? Um, if you were in mind, could you walk us through a little bit, Todd, on your focus on students, the whole notion behind kids deserve it? That was a very organic process that, you know, really inspired TJ and I, you know, if I remember correctly, it even was started, I believe, from like a tweet, you know, and then it really grew. But I think it speaks to the power of when kids are our central focus and how do we put them in the forefront of learning um, and really the, the adults just create those opportunities. Would you mind walking us through a little bit of how that all was originated and the power behind that? You know, it, it kind of goes back to a lot of what you said. I feel like the best ideas are the organic ones because I think us, especially as educators, we can see right away the difference between a sales pitch and somebody being genuine. And I knew that if I was ever going to put anything out there, anything with my name on it, I wanted it to come from my heart and not a place of, oh, I'm looking to gain notoriety or make some money or, and as anybody knows, writing a book will never make you a ton of money. So don't ever think that you're going to write a book and make a lot of money because you won't. But unless you're like a New York Times bestseller, but <laughs> that has not happened yet in my world. But I knew that, you know, like you said, the idea behind Kids Deserve It, when we started with that one, it was a very natural conversation. Us, me, and my co-author sharing ideas of, you know, what do you do at your school? Oh, I do this. So, well, why aren't other people doing that? And there was that whole idea of, oh, well, everybody makes excuses. And so we, we started thinking, you know, like, what could we kind of use as a comeback for when people make excuses? And it's the idea of, well, kids deserve for us to do this. Kids deserve for us to think about them in this way. Kids deserve for us to encourage them and push them and challenge them. And the idea just began to organically grow from there and there and there. And with each of the books I've written, I I've tried to take that same idea of thinking about what's best for kids and not what's easiest for adults. Um, and when I say that, I want, I want people to hear me correctly. I'm not saying that as adults, we should put ourselves at a disadvantage or run ourselves ragged trying to give kids whatever they want. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just the idea of, you know, when I held staff meetings, there was always somebody assigned in that staff meeting to at the end of that meeting, if any decisions were made, their job was to ask, did we make that call because it's what's best for kids or because it just makes our lives easier? 
And we always just want to be thinking about that and talking about that. And so when it comes to the idea of when kids lead, it was the same kind of general organic flow as kids deserve it is Adam DeVico and I were sitting there going, why don't we see more students leading? Well, sometimes people say, well, they're six years old. What leadership skills could they have? well, they're 10 years old, they can't be running this or doing that, or how do I find the time to pour into these kids when I have all these other responsibilities that the state's requiring or the district's requiring? And so our whole kind of concept behind it was, well, these are great skills, no matter what you're going to do in life. And if you're growing these leadership skills in all of your kids, guess what? You're making your life easier in so many other ways with different battles that you're fighting that you don't even know how to solve, but this could be a way to solve them. And so it wasn't ever an idea of here's one more thing to add to your plate. It's more of a, how about you shift what you're doing and think about it this way. And now you've killed four boar, four birds with one stone instead of just one. And so just, just that whole idea always of how can we think differently without having to work 10 times harder to achieve our goal? And I think, you know, I think everybody can connect with that idea of thinking differently after going through a pandemic where all we've been asked to do is think differently and, and pivot and, and everything else. And so what I love about the ideas that we've tried to share in this book is that they still work virtual. They still work hybrid. There's still ways to make it work because no matter where your kids are, there's still opportunities to grow them leadership wise and and use them in, in cool capacities. So we love all of that. I mean, totally agree that the leadership transcends school, um, super important for kids. And I, I like to couple the idea when kids lead with kids deserve it because kids deserve to lead, right? So Let's talk a little bit of um, a little bit more granular about that. You mentioned John Maxwell, him being a guide for adults, books like Developing the Leader Within You, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Those are great. Can you mention a little bit more about the how-to? Like you said, let's go all the way to step number one. You know, sometimes we develop leadership classes or we have leadership seminars or we stick it in advisory or something like that. But do you have some strategies that listeners could employ right in their math classroom or right in their English classroom? You know, the book is filled with those. And what I would say as a multi-layered answer to that question is, you know, I've been asked that multiple times since the book was announced that it was coming out and since it came out. And my response remains the same. I don't believe there's one starting point for every person. I believe it's an idea of, within the world that I'm living right now, what's the easiest entry point for me? Because sometimes I feel we can lose educators or we can lose administrators when it's like, oh, this is the best entry point and they are nowhere ready for that. And so now they've closed off and they're not willing to listen to anything else. And so when we designed the book, it was kind of like, if you're already doing this step, here's how you can take it further. If you're over here and this is your lane, try growing it that way. And an example would be, you know, as a teacher in the classroom, I always loved giving my students responsibilities. And I know elementary teachers are widely known for having a door holder, a line leader, an organ, I mean, all these kind of jobs. When I became a principal, looking at it at a much broader scale, I thought, well, how do I use student leaders? I mean, we had a student council, but it's like, I want to use them in different ways where they're leading from a campus. 
And one of the things that I write about in the book and that Adam added to as well was the idea of student ambassadors. And what that is, is that's a group of students, some nominated by their peers and their teachers, and some that I self-selected because as the principal, I should have my pull, my finger on the pulse of, of different kids and, and I things and, and thinking about A, not your traditional leaders and looking for those that wouldn't necessarily fit the role based on how it's traditionally been designed, but how I can grow them and then training them to be the face of the school. So that anytime an adult came on our campus, whether they were newly enrolled, whether they were looking to tour to see if it would be a school that would fit them, whether they just wanted to see what we were about, I never, as the principal, gave a tour of my campus. Instead, I went and found some of those student ambassadors that I had trained over how to give a tour, how to have eye contact, things like that. And then they would come up they would know how to introduce themselves. They would give a campus-wide tour. And when you can do stuff like that, yes, you're growing that kid in understanding communication skills, understanding verbal and nonverbal ways to communicate, learning how to give a tour, things like that. But think about that newly enrolled student who just got a tour from a peer instead of some adult they've never met before. Think of that family who's deciding on whether or not what they wanna to come to your school and they see, wow, your students are this well put together that they can give a tour instead of, an, cause I didn't even follow along. Like I wanted them to know, I completely trust these kids to walk you through what we're about. So here you go. And so, you know, that's just one of the many examples but to be a little bit more focused for no matter who's listening today, you know, for me, one of the biggest game changers that we did was utilizing my co-author's acronym SPECIAL. And we talk about it throughout the book. He even had posters made that you can purchase off his website. But what we did as a campus is we decided we want to get everybody on the same page when it comes to leadership and some things that everybody can do. And starting with SPECIAL and each letter in the word SPECIAL stands for something. And so S was shake hands, which yes, I know that has to be altered during COVID times. Obviously we don't wanna be having kids shake everybody's hand right now, but there's a way you can edit that. But like the P was posture, the E was eye contact and so on and so on on every single letter and special. I trained the staff as the leader of what each one of those things look like. And then the staff, we had groups of staff train our oldest students over how to do those things. And then those older students train the younger students over how to do those things. So that way, anytime I walked in a room or a guest walked into a room, there was always a kid who knew it was their responsibility to shake my hand, to have a conversation, to welcome me to the room, to tell me what they're learning about in that moment and to invite me into their circle. And so when I think about, you know, no matter what we're working with, we were all on the same page with every kid's gonna know this special acronym. Every kid's gonna know how to shake a hand. Every kid's gonna know the importance of looking someone in the eye when you're talking to them. Taking into account, different cultures and different uh, abilities and disabilities and things like that. This isn't a one size fits all, but it's at least an umbrella that we can begin to fall under so that we kind of know where we all align with the same beliefs. Todd, that's powerful for a few reasons. We'll make sure that we showcase and refer to special in the show notes so people can access that as well. I, I do really like the fact that you're setting clear expectations 
and then reinforcing those expectations. And really, as a leader, giving up control. Would you mind just spending a couple minutes on that? Because it is hard to do. You know, we have a vision, we want to pursue that vision, but it does require us to let other people help us get there. And this is a great opportunity to share that how you gave up that control, but made it clear through the expectations and reinforcement that we're all getting there together. Would you spend a couple minutes on that? Yeah. You know, when people ask me like, what's the biggest lesson you learned being a school administrator? My first answer will always be the same is that I can't do it all. You know, in the classroom, when I was a classroom teacher, I could do everything. Like it's my world. I'm in control. Like I I can make sure that this gets sent home at this time. This gets copied that way. I make this little graphic. When it became a principal, I thought I can still do it all. Like I, I want it done a certain way. I'm going to do it. And what I learned very quickly was how wrong I was. It doesn't matter how good you are, you can't do it all. And you've got to learn to relinquish some control. And that's terrifying because when you have a vision in your head, you want it done a certain way. And giving up control doesn't always guarantee that it's going to be done that way. But what I've learned is when I do relinquish control, encourage others, challenge them, give them the resources they need and let them run with something they become passionate about, they end up doing it way better than I ever thought that I was going to do it. And I love the the comment you made there about laying clear expectations. That was important for us from the start because I think oftentimes as leaders, we take for granted that everybody truly does understand what we're saying when we say it. And so by having something like special, it was clearly laid out There was a poster hanging in every room. It was always a part of staff meetings, a part of conversations, a part of seeing kids in the hall. It was always growing and providing feedback because even though we had taught the kids and the adults how to do it, there were still times where I go to greet a kid and I, they would, they would go through the process and I'd say, okay, then let me give you some feedback. When you shook my hand, this is what you did. This is how we trained you. So I need you to fix that for the next time we shake our hands. And so continually providing that feedback. But going back to what you said too, about relinquishing that control. I mean, I don't think that can be said enough, the importance of relinquishing control. Because what you see is when you empower students and adults to do what you had decided in your own mind they weren't ready for, they'll blow your mind almost every time with how great they can do it. You know, there's a whole section in our book about student-led conferences, about how at Adams School and my school, we moved away from parent-teacher conferences. Our teachers did not lead those conferences. The students led their parent conference. The teacher was present and available to answer any questions, but we trained the kids how to track their data, how to understand their growth or lack thereof, how to have a conversation with their family over their goals, what they could do better, what they're going to work on. And I'm not talking about junior high and high school kids here. I'm talking about, we trained seven-year-olds how to do this. And and does it look different from a seven-year-old leading this conversation than a 17-year-old? Obviously. But I think we got to get out of that mindset of it has to fit in this mold. It has to be done this way. 
It's like, no, you can grow into this. With my fourth and fifth graders, they were leading their conferences from the fall semester on. From my kinder and first graders, they didn't start fully leading the conferences until the spring. The fall was a lot of planning, a lot of trial and error, a lot of all I want you to do in this conference right now is talk about your behavior with mom and dad. We're not even going to get into the academics yet. I want you to explain that. So that way the kids find their voice and it's not just you as the adult telling them they're capable, but you letting them go so they can find out that, oh my gosh, they didn't just tell me I was awesome. I'm going to, I'm proving it right now that I'm awesome. They stepped back and they let me fall. Let me make some mistakes, but they don't let me make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And, and that's where the difference comes. And for teachers like myself, that's hard. I, I want people to hear me. I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do to relinquish some control. I'm not saying there won't be huge mistakes made along the way or kids that you wonder, oh my goodness, am I ever really going to be able to fully let them go and do this? Everybody's on a different path. Everybody handles it at different rates, just like our own learning. We don't all comprehend things at the exact same time on the exact same day. So just keep that in mind when you're working with kids too. Maybe you can relinquish control for these four or five students and then slowly add in more and more and more. Maybe you're like, Psh, I'm all in. Everybody's going to do this and we're going to jump all in. Great. Find what works for you and just continually be ever expanding it. That's really good advice. I mean, we talk about agency a lot. And so a lot of theme here is certainly empowerment. I want to pivot here to some um, questions a bit beyond the book about your own experiences, your own learning, your own growth, what brought you here today, four books, uh, extensive career. So the first, you talked about John Maxwell. We mentioned him a couple of times. Are there any other leaders outside of education who you follow who have you know brought that idea of empowerment to you or other ideas of leadership who you would say, hey, you got to follow this person, read this book. I mean, do you have any recommendations? Our listeners love that. Well, you know, of, of course, John Gordon, I think, I think everybody knows who he is by now, hopefully. And Bob Goff. Oh my goodness. I am a Bob Goff addict. When I get to meet him one day, which I know I will, that's somebody too, who I just want to emulate his passion for others and his compassion. I think regardless of your political affiliation, Michelle Obama is also someone to be highly regarded for what she's accomplished and working to accomplish and, and the, the things she's overcome. Those are the three I think about right away and stereotypical leadership roles. I think though what I also in my own learning have found is I love to find people who wouldn't traditionally be viewed as a leader. I, I love to find educators or small business owners who are just getting started on social media and follow their journey because I feel like I learn while they're learning and as they figure out things to share or, or things to put out there, I feel like I'm consuming new ways because sometimes I am the biggest thing standing in the way of my own success. And what I found for my own personal walk, when I'm always following the big dogs, the people that are at the top of their game, I very quickly turn into a comparison game of me going, well, I could never be that good. I don't have that skill. 
that I don't have those qualities. Well, I just feel like a loser now because I, I can't do that. And I get in my head very quickly. And so for me, it's finding the everyday humans that, you know, I've got a somewhat of a platform on social media. So what I love doing is amplifying their work. And in the amplification process, I'm learning from them and getting to see people who are everyday heroes, who the spotlight isn't always on, which to me is more exciting to learn from them because I feel like they're sometimes not as jaded or as scripted or as predictable as your traditional leaders that, that have all these books and podcasts and, and all these other crazy things that we all try to emulate. But sometimes I feel like they're too commercialized and, and I, I always want more heart. I want more honesty. I want to know the ugly just as much as I want to know the, the celebrations. We appreciate that, Todd. It's appreciate your humility as well. And being transparent with us about, you know, the gap that you sometime experience, you know, TJ and I often talk about the imposter syndrome and how that creeps in very fast yep. and in different facets of life, professionally, personally. And I like how you said, you know, those individuals have gotten to a point where they are big time, but there's a lot of other people who have incredible messages that might be a little easier to relate to. So it's, it's very sage advice. We appreciate it. Outside of like books and so on, is there a resource in the classroom? Obviously, this could lend itself within COVID, but non-COVID as well. I'm going back a little bit, but I did hear of a time that, you know, you guys use, um, I think it was like, a, a, I wasn't actually sure if it was you or Adam, but mentioned about like a swivel and robots and this whole way of like enlivening classroom discussions across, you know, America and so I, it's intriguing. Or is there a resource right now that you're like, look, this is something that should be in every classroom. It's wild. It really transforms the kids' learning experience. You know, it's funny you ask that because a lot of the recognition that I got for things when I was in the classroom was doing wild and crazy things and, and trying to use technology that wasn't traditionally used in the classroom bring it into a classroom and seeing how I could enhance the learning. As far as something that I think would need to be in every classroom now, you know, I think that that is a question that's so big. I don't know that I would have an answer to that per se. For me, I think the best thing that can be in a classroom right now is the outside world. And what I mean by that is the, the more boundaries I can tear down for my kids the more successful I feel as an educator. Um, I've always worked in rural communities. I've always worked in communities, high poverty, and communities where the kids don't travel much out of the county, much less the state. And so I've always felt like it was one of my responsibilities to do the work, to bring in professional athletes, whether that's in-person or virtual, to bring in classrooms in Sweden and China and Africa to bring in learning opportunities from National Geographic or Disney and, and find these things that 
would have never have seemed to actually would have worked out or worked in my favor and being like, I don't know how I got this person to agree to come on and do a Skype with us today, but guys, they're coming on and they're going to talk all about rainforest deforestation. And so uh, things like that, I feel like that's the best thing we can offer our kids because they may not get those experiences otherwise. And so the more that I can open up those opportunities, the better. Todd, we're going to close here in a minute, but we do have one more favorite question that we like to ask. Is there a book that hasn't been written yet that you wish somebody would write or that you're about to write as your fifth book? Is there a topic right now that you're like, man, that's on fire and we really need to get that out there for people? Well, you know, I can't even wrap my head around having another book out. I said that the first book, I was like, I put everything out there. There ain't nothing left in this brain. And now <laughs> I have four books and I'm like, seriously, who is reading my stuff? Because I'm in this mindset of nobody actually reads these. Like I just write them and put them on Amazon and then they're never sold. Like that's what I put in my head. And anytime somebody's like, Ooh, that really resonated. I'm like, wait, you actually read that? Like somebody's reading the book. And so there were little things like, but I think for me personally, Something that I'm really passionate about now is helping other people see their worth um, and, and more than just seeing it, but truly comprehending how valuable they are. I feel like, especially in education right now, we've got a lot of teachers and administrators who don't feel like their voice matters, who don't feel like they are ever encouraged that they're ever told that they bring something fantastic to the team. And, and, and even when they are, because of walls they've built up in their own life, they don't believe it. And, and I am myself often guilty of that. And so I think one thing that I'm, I'm always looking to consume more of, but that I'm trying to put out into the world as well, is helping people be reminded of just how valuable they are and how important their story is, which is why I've done so much work with the Tell Your Story podcast that I do, is that there's so many people I invite on my show that they're like, why are you asking me? Like, what am I supposed to talk about? And it's that reminder that there's still so many of us who think that because we haven't won an award, because we haven't published in a book, we are not as significant as those who have. And if there's one thing I have learned by meeting some really high profile people in this world, they are often a far, a lot more sucky than normal people. Just because they've gotten that recognition don't mean they ain't a jerk that I don't ever want to meet again. And I'm not going to say any names here, but there have been some pretty important people that I was like, I was so excited to meet you and now you just ruined it like i wish i would have rather not met you and so i think that that reminds me that you know i meet people who have never even started a social media account who have never won an award and i meet them and hear their story and i'm like oh my gosh can i spend more time with you like you're so amazing and they're like but but i've never done this and i'm like i don't care you are fantastic you have this huge worth and value in you that you don't even see. And that just gets me all riled up again, because I know I get to help bring that out where you can see just how much you bring that, that will change this world. Well, that's been, that's fantastic to end on that note. Uh, really important sucky people and awesome normal folks. 
Uh, got a lot of normal folks listening to the podcast, a lot of normal folks on this call. Todd, this has been great. Thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you would like else that you would like to add? You know, I, I think that what I just said there at the end is the best thing I can say to anybody listening today. I know that while we are living in the midst of a pandemic right now, um, and we are surrounded by people who are much more comfortable telling us what we're not doing correct, rather than celebrating all the work and value we're putting into it. I, I think the best thing I can say is what I've been telling educators for the last couple months is if you are showing up, you are doing enough. And don't let anybody tell you that it's not enough. It's not good enough. It's not unique enough. It's not special enough. If you are showing up, that is the win of the day. And that is enough for so many people who have nobody else showing up for them. It's a great final message. Thank you for showing up for us. It's a call to action for all educators. Showing up is enough. We show up for our kids. Kids deserve it. Kids deserve to lead. We talked about voice. We talked about agency. We talked about empowerment. You heard it here on Focus Ed. Todd Nesloni, everyone, a virtual round of applause for Todd. Don't forget to file the schoolhouse302.com for our podcast, blog post, books to read, and more. And thank you again for being on the show, Todd. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep, a good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know getting a good night's sleep. But you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow, that's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership. Ghostbed.com, you can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.